Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. We're continuing in our series about Psalms 84, 4-6, through 6, and the Valley of Baca. Today we're learning how to pass through the valley. There's no loitering here. The Bible says we'll have trouble, we will have hard times, but we are to pass through and come out victorious. Let's learn how. So Psalms 84, verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Now, Baca literally means weeping. Um, and, and notice the place of weeping is not where you're supposed to live. It's a place you're supposed to pass through. Unfortunately, some people take what should be a page in their book, and, and they literally make it the whole book. You're supposed to pass through the valley of Baca. And notice it says, they make it a spring. The they is you, the believer. You make that place of weeping, that desert place, you make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one will appear before God in Zion. I want to talk to you just from that, that fifth verse. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now, the Bible tells us in Philippians 3 and verse 20 that our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We all know Jesus is coming again. But I want you to notice that our citizenship is in heaven. Right? And because of that, the Bible tells us in Colossians to seek those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. So we're to set our affection on things above. I became a Christian when I was 20 years old. And immediately, I just had this tremendous hunger for the Bible. Now, except for a period of maybe three months maximum, um, I read the Bible a minimum of 10 chapters every day. And there was one time that I was trying to follow this guy who had a different program, and I was reading less, and it just got me frustrated. Okay. So I read the Bible, min absolute minimum, cover to cover, 120 times. Right? Absolute minimum, probably 150 times. Now, so you say, well, that's because you're a pastor. I'm a pastor because I read the Bible. I don't read the Bible because I'm a pastor. Hello? Well, where's your affection? You know, the Bible says his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, where's your delight? What do you do when you get up in the morning? I don't know what you do, but first thing I do is sit in my chair for an hour. And I read the Bible. And you say, why? Because you've been praying a sermon? No, 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 no. Because I love the Bible. I'm looking for God to speak to me from the word of God, right? You, you see, you've got to set your affection on things above. Uh, the Bible says that your life is hid with Christ and God. Not your Sunday life. Not your Christian life. All your life. 
Your life is hid with Christ in God. The Bible tells us we're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Now, I want to ask you, how often when you go someplace, do you think, hey, I am bringing the kingdom? When I go to work, I bring the kingdom. When I go to school, I bring the kingdom. When I go shopping, I am bringing the kingdom. And, and literally, the most important thing about you, literally, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. But the second most important thing about you, right? and I believe this with all my heart, is how you host the presence of God and bring the kingdom of God. That is the second most important thing about you. How you host the presence of God. How many realize you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? If you're a believer, he's living on the inside of you. How you host God's presence and bring the kingdom of God is the second most important thing about you. So the Bible says we're to set our affection on things above. We're to consider ourselves as pilgrims. I want to give you just a few examples from from your Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, I've heard people say sin's not fun. No, sin's fun. If it wasn't fun, you didn't do it right. The Bible says, enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. So does sin have any pleasure? Yes, it does. It does. And he looked at that, but he said, I would rather suffer the reproach of the, of the church, of the believers, because the Bible says, esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to his reward. Now, now he, Pharaoh is brought, excuse me, Moses is brought up in Pharaoh's house. Anything the world had to offer, he had it in spades. Anything. But when he looked at what the, the best the world could give, and then he looked at the suffering of being a believer, and he said, I'll take the suffering of being a believer. Now, the Bible tells us why. Because he looked to his reward. He was looking past this life. The Bible says, well, we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal. They're temporary. But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. We've got to have an eternal perspective on life. In Hebrews eleven fourteen, for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. In other words, if they had been, God had called them out, and if they had been thinking about all the stuff that they were missing out on, they could have gone back. But they weren't looking back. They were looking ahead. But now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And then Hebrews eleven nine, for he, Abraham, looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In other words, Abraham was looking to his eternal reward. He wasn't just looking at the things of this life. And that is the attitude that every believer should have. Again, the most important thing about you, what you believe about God. The second most important thing about you is how you host his presence and bring the kingdom. It makes all the difference in the world. 
In, in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to the standards of this world. Don't let the culture that we live in form the way that we live, the way that we think, and what we do. But be transformed inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Well, where do we get that change of mind? We get it from the Word of God. The Word of God tells us. Literally, it's God's thoughts. It's who we are in Christ. And remember, Jesus said, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. I like one translation that says it this way, And my paycheck is in my hand to give to everyone according to what he has done. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. How many of you have noticed the world has gone pretty crazy? We're in it, but we're not of it. Jesus came, and his message was, repent, change the way you think, right? Because God's kingdom is at hand. God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is available. God's kingdom is now. God's kingdom is for you. He taught us to pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, notice he says, your kingdom come. Most of the church is waiting to go to the kingdom. Someday I'm going to die. I'm going to go to heaven. And that's going to be the kingdom. Where Jesus said, the kingdom is now. He said, pray the kingdom come. And literally the kingdom of God is a great description here. When God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Wherever Jesus is king, that's where the kingdom is. If he's king in your life, in areas of your life, that's where the kingdom is. If there's areas of your life where he's not king, the kingdom is not there. So the Bible says we're passing through. This world, but by the way, this world, as we know it, is coming to an end. Now, not the end of the world. I know that people have asked me, Pastor, look what's happening. You think the end of the world's coming fast? No. In fact, if Jesus were to come back today, the end of the world as we know it. And really, it's just the end of human government would come when Jesus comes, right? How many realize the Bible says he's coming to rule and reign? He's not coming to end things. He's coming to rule and reign. So it's not the end of the world. It's the end of human government. Jesus rules and reigns for a thousand years. Uh, Revelation 20, look at the first six verses. It mentions a thousand years, 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 just in case you don't get it, a thousand years. And then is the eternal kingdom. The eternal kingdom. Now, again, just, just because this is so prevalent in so many of our, thinking, our thinkings, um, we think that we're going to go to heaven, and we're going to be in heaven forever, and we're going to wear sheets, eat grapes, Float on clouds, play harps. Listen, you will not float on a cloud. You will probably not play a harp. Uh, Revelation 21. This is the end of the thousand years. And I saw a new heaven, literally atmosphere, and a new earth, a recreated earth. For the first heaven or atmosphere and earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. 
Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying. There'll be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. So let me just tell you what's going to happen. At the end of that thousand years, God moves. When God moves, God doesn't take a U-Haul trailer. When God moves, he takes a city. And that place that you and I call heaven is going to come down and is coming to this earth. And eternity is not in some distant place. Eternity is on earth. Now, I don't care if you're Catholic, if you're Reformed, if you're Baptist, uh, it doesn't matter if you're, 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 you're Pentecostal. It doesn't matter. Every denomination believes that. Every single one, without exception. Right? But for some reason, as people, we do not grasp that eternity is not some far place far away. It's right here. It's right here on this earth. So when you think about heaven, don't think about clouds and sheets and naked baby angels, bow and arrows flying around. That's not what heaven is at all. It's going to be, but we'll put it this way. You have Genesis 1, 2, 3, God and mankind in a beautiful garden. Satan shows up, messes things up, but you know where it's going back to? It's going back to that same place where God is going to dwell with us on this earth forever and ever and ever. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 7, it says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of the grace of his kindness towards us in Christ. Now, notice it says ages to come, ages. Now, what theologians call this is dispensations. And this is all that it means, a way that God deals with humanity a way God deals with humanity. So God dealt with humanity one way when they were in the garden. But then from Adam to Noah, God dealt with man in a different way. And then from Noah, God made a covenant with Noah until Moses, God dealt with mankind in a certain way. And then when Moses came, the Bible says it in the New Testament that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So from Moses to Jesus, God deals with humanity in one way. But then when Jesus came, grace and truth came, and God began to deal with humanity in a different way. New or different covenants. Well, then, so we're, we're in right now what is referred to as the dispensation of grace. But then there's going to be the millennial kingdom. And then there's going to be the eternal kingdom. And the Bible talks about how God has tremendous plans for us in the ages to come. But the verse tells us that our strength is in him. Our strength is in him. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, the Bible says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, I've been saved for 49 years. 
and really been pursuing God for 49 years. And what I've noticed through the years is that people have different emphasis. I've watched where the emphasis was on body ministry. I've seen the emphasis on worship. I've seen the emphasis on missions. I've seen the emphasis on different things. And people say, do this and the power of God will come. Do this and the power of God will come. Do this and the power of God's going to come. But the Bible tells us where the power is, right? The gospel, it is the power of God to salvation. Right? The word salvation there literally means not just being saved, but it means preservation. It means deliverance. It means healing. It means soundness. It's the power of God. So literally what it's saying is this that when the gospel message is proclaimed and believed, the exact same power that was in the event shows up and is present when the gospel is believed. We can look back and think, man, if I could have just been there when Jesus was there. But the truth is, when you believe the gospel, the exact same power that was in the resurrection of Jesus is present. It's available. The gospel is the power. The message, when it's proclaimed, brings the, 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 the power of the event. So the Bible tells us, Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So who are we to be strong in? In the Lord. If we trust in ourselves, we are in trouble. Somebody says, now listen, somebody says, well, you know, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. How many of you believe that? I believe that. You know what also I believe? I believe I'm never without him. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So we're to be strong, not in our power, but in the power of the Lord. In fact, Ephesians 3.10 to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. So what this is saying is God's plan is that the church, which is strong in the Lord, will show Satan and demon power, principalities and powers, God's wisdom, God's plan for defeating them. In uh, Ephesians 6, in verse 12, it says this, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. Uh, you may think that your boss, your mother-in-law, is the problem. But your problem is not somebody in flesh and blood. The Bible says our, our battle, our fight, is not against people made of flesh and blood. But get this, but against persons without bodies. Persons without bodies. Now, what's it talking about? Satan and demons. That's who the real enemy is. You might think you're, you're fighting somebody, but there is something behind that person. And the Bible says the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world. I'm going to read that again. Those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world. It's, it's amazing to me, whenever anything bad happens, they call it an act of God. 
Every, I, I mean, literally, I, 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 I have people that I know very well that anything that goes wrong, it's just like, well, this is what God did. This is what God did. And they actually get mad at you if you tell them, no, there's a demon spirit behind it. They'll get mad at you. And they say, no, everything's God's will. Everything's God's will. Everything's God's will. Well, that is so silly. And they're mad at me for preaching that it's not. And I told them, well, if it wasn't God's will, I couldn't preach this. I mean, just, but but notice what it says. The mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world. Satan is called the God, small g, of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. And against a huge number of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So we have an enemy. It's Satan and demon power. And we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because you are no match for the devil. But you and Jesus are more than a match for the devil. You are more than a match. Look, so 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ. Other translations are going to say be in union with Christ. This means that you receive Jesus. Now, notice it says you be. You're not trying to be. You're not someday going to be. It didn't say, then you should be, or you ought to be. It said, you be. You are either in Christ or you are not in Christ. Now, if you're in Christ, by the way, it's like being pregnant. You either are or you're not. You are a new creation. Living Bible says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. Now, literally, when God looks at the world, the way God looks at the world is he doesn't see our nationality. When God looks at the world, he sees people that are in union with Christ and people that are in union with the first Adam. You're either in union with Christ, what he did, or you're in union with what the first Adam did. See, the most important thing about your life should be not your nationality, not your ethnicity, your education, your political party, your gender, your age, or some other demographic. The most important thing about you should be, I am in Christ, and that's more important to me than anything else about me. I know people that think that their nationality or their ethnicity or their gender is the most important thing about them. If you're in Christ, the most important thing about you is you're in Christ. You are in union with him. Another translation says, when anyone is united to Christ, there is a new world. There is a new world. That's why the Bible tells us we need to set our affection on things above. Now you think, wow, that's just the spiritual world. Listen, the spiritual world made the natural world. The spiritual world was here before the natural world. And it is the spiritual world that is even more real. I love this translation. It says, and a true Christian is not merely an altered man, but a man remade. You are, when you're in Christ, you are remade. Stanley says it this way, and if anyone has entered into fellowship with Christ, a new world has at once opened to him. Once you're in union with Christ, there is a whole new world that's available to you. It's the kingdom of God. 
And we need to set our affection on the things that are above and not on the things that are beneath. Now, because of ultra-dispensationalism, you know, we talked about dispensationalism, which is simply how God deals with humanity. Now, some people will tell you that what God did in Christ, he began at first century, but as soon as the last apostle died, then God changed everything. Or when we got the Bible, God changed everything. I just want to tell you that that is not true. From Christ until today, we are in the dispensation of grace. So the book of Jude, the little book right before the end of your Bible, before the book of Revelation, the third verse says this. Beloved, where I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Now, when it talks about our common salvation, this is what it means. That when you got saved, God gave you a package. And what's ever in your package is in everybody else's package. So in other words, what God did for one person came out of their package. And if it was in their package, it's in yours. God doesn't have favorites. The salvation we've received, what Jesus did for one, he did for all. But I found it necessary to be exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. What Christianity looks like today is supposed to be exactly what Christianity looked like in the first century. It was delivered once for all. Not God gave the first century church the Spirit of God, and God moved, and God healed and delivered and saved, and there was all these miraculous things that took place, and then John the Apostle died. And God said, okay, everything's done. From now on, just tough it out. No, 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 no. He gave it once and for, for all. What the church looked like in the first century is what the church is supposed to look like today. I heard about an older couple. They were driving in their car. They've been married for 50 years. <coughs> and uh, she, she said to him, she said, uh, honey, <coughs> he's driving. She said, no, she says, you know, we used to sit together. We'd be in the car and you'd put your arm around me. and You'd whisper sweet things in my ear. And she said, uh, <coughs> why don't we do that anymore? And he said, well, I'm still in the same place. <laughs> you know, you might be wondering, well, why isn't God doing that? And he's in the same place. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the faith was delivered once and for all. <laughs> Jesus' message, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's now, it's here. So the kingdom is here. The truth is the kingdom is also still coming. But you and I today need to enforce the kingdom. You need to enforce the kingdom. How? By being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You say, why? Because the thief, the devil, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he will steal from you anything that you'll let him have. So Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him, steadfast in the faith. 
As believers, we need to use the authority that God has given us. And we need to enforce the kingdom. And what it's supposed to look like today is exactly what it looked like in the first century. The gospel has not changed. And Jesus said it then, and it's still true today. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father except through me. If you don't know you're right with God today, and you say, I want to be right, I want to be forgiven, I want you to bow your head with me and pray this prayer from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer. That your blood washed me from my sin that my past is gone, that I'm your child today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard your prayer, and you are forgiven and right with God, then you've taken your first step into the kingdom. But we want you to keep growing spiritually. I wrote a book full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. You can download it or let us know. We'll send you a hard copy absolutely free. Keep on growing. Keep on living for the Lord. God bless you, and we love you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have a copy mailed to you. Download it instantly or check out our new audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives on and off the air with the help of viewers like you. When you choose to sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessings upon you just like it says in Malachi 3.10. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three easy ways that you can give. One, text WBF-GIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. Or three, click on the giving icon in our app. We would love to connect with you. When you scan this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, check out our weekly devotional, and most importantly, stay connected. If you're looking to rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We pray this message helps you tap into God's power so you can pass through the hard times. Have a blessed week.